Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
happy Tuesday. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you since last night. We had a fantastic show, amazing dialogue, great, good guests, so so much established, uh, like, like always, uh, very smooth, good flow. And uh, it really is, it truly is everything you can want in a program, in a show. Um, and I, like I said yesterday, it really just works. It clicks. It makes sense that this show. I mean, it's, there's so many things um, that, are, that are so great and positive and powerful about this show. There's no doubt about that. Uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are all incredible. Uh, we're now listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Again, that's 24 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And we will, uh, in about a month, be launching the, the huge, huge media site, uh, media network that, that we've been working on. And we're raising like over a million dollars for this because we want, it's about 1.2 or 1.3 million. We want it to live to its full potential. You know, like I said, this is going to be a 24-7 news network. You're going to have, we have about now like 80 to 85% of the show slots filled. So all we need is like 15 to 20% left to fill. And we have a lot of people doing shows, uh, people all over the world. And uh, like I said, it's 24-7. So when it's the middle of the night here, um, people overseas will be doing their shows and uh, all that good stuff. And we will be having uh, my good friends, uh, director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, as well as America's toughest sheriff and the godfather of immigration, Joe Arpaio. Uh, both of those guys will be uh, the, the face of the new network. And as everybody knows, both of those guys have millions and millions of followers. Um, so this is really this is really big. This is big, big stuff and perfect timing. We're, political season is right around the corner. Um, so much to look forward to. So much to, uh, you know, get grinding on. Um, as everybody knows, I will be heading out of town uh, starting next week. I will be on the East Coast for about two weeks. Uh, so we'll be off the air for about two weeks. We'll be back on the air July 15th, which is a Monday. So, yeah, right, like pretty much exactly two weeks is how long we'll be off the air um, because well, we're doing shows all this week, remember. Um, so, yeah, a lot to get into tonight. Huge day in the news. Um, so, so much, so much. I mean, it was one story after the other today. So just, you know, article after article. Um, I do want to welcome. I do want to welcome to the show, uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and currently the commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Rory. I'm, I'm looking forward to being on the panel with the great Daryl Kane and also Kevin DeKeifer and. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to start off. Can can we agree on one thing, one premise tonight? 
And that is if you are going to play for a team called Team USA, you should respect Team USA. Can can we agree on that? Of course. And And I said they need to stand for the damn anthem. Well, I'll tell you what, I posted that today and somebody called me Hitler. <laughs> it was like, man, are you kidding me? They said, yeah, force patriotism. Force patriotism? You tried out for a team <laughs> and you made it called Team USA. Gosh, get your head out of your rear end, you people. So, you know, but hey, listen, man, look forward to being on the – I just want to know, though, on your new network, are you going to use the term owner? Because that's really important uh, nowadays. That, yeah, that, I don't think that will change. I, I think owner is the <laughs> proper terminology for, for the business world. And I'll tell you this, Dr. Branch, the NBA is a bunch of pussies that, you know, they're, they're getting so sensitive about the term owner. That's what happens in businesses. There are owners of companies. That's how it works. I mean, everybody's right, so man. sensitive. Everybody is so sensitive on the left. And you know what? Obama created a lot of the, this weak mentality. Everybody deserves a trophy. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Look forward to your panel tonight and your guest, Rory. Thanks for having me, me on. Me too, my friend. Me too. Glad to have you. Uh, let, let's also welcome to the show uh, Desert Storm veteran, columnist, activist, and radio show host on Mojo Five O and iHeartRadio, Eric Thompson. Eric, how are you? Eric, are you there? Are you with us? Eric. Eric? Hello? Eric, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, you're with us. Good. Good to have you here, my friend. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can hear you the whole time. So, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, back on again. Absolutely. Let's also welcome to the show founder of College Republicans United founder of Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, the great Kevin DuKuyper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing very well, and I just have to agree with Dr. Bob Branch. We should stand for an anthem, and that's a sentiment we'll never see anymore with the Democratic Party. And speaking of which, I mean, the Democratic presidential debates are tomorrow, and I don't know about you guys, but I am very excited Can't to wait. watch Get that the popcorn ready. play out. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, Kevin, that's going to be so much entertainment right there. Yeah, I can't wait, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's also welcome to the show uh, director, um, lobbyist, and activist Gianni Rodriguez. How are you, my friend? Doing great. How are you? Doing well, man. Great great to have you here. Uh, A lot lot to get into tonight. Glad, glad you could be, glad you could join us. Um, I wanna, guys, I wanna, I wanna start obviously uh, with with the main story uh, of today, and I think you know it, it's really scary that we have these big tech companies that are, I mean, they're playing with our lives. Think about what they're doing. Think about what, what. Think about how tech affects us on a daily basis. Think about pretty much everything we do in our daily life usually involves social media. 
Very, very few people even read the newspaper anymore. They get all their news on social media. They buy a lot of their stuff online. They watch a lot of their videos and stuff online. All this stuff. So you got all these different things that are uh, in that category of of how uh, and, and and just think about how powerful that is. You you have right there everything you anything and everything you need in a day on social media or on the internet, and that's why people use it so much. I mean, because everything is done from your smartphone, from your computer. You know, it, it's so evolved. And we're seeing now that Google and these other companies are coming out and saying that they are going to purposely twist and skew the algorithm of news. It's not like they already have, they haven't already been doing that to some some degree, but it's going to be a much higher extent. Um, you know, as people know, there were a lot of comments that came out this week from, or maybe it was. Yeah, it actually was this week, I believe, or late last week. But Google executives um, said on camera to Project Veritas that they will do everything they can to make sure a guy like Donald Trump, and I quote, is never in power again. This is this this is this is what we're dealing with. And the fact that, you know, pretty soon, I mean, you know, think of, you know, tech, when, when somebody says the, you know, the word tech and, and they're referring to that terminology, think about, just think though, just think about everything that tech owns and, and how, how much authority and power they have over, especially people like Google, Facebook. I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the biggest of them all. They can pretty much do whatever the hell they want. They own the world. They're worth billions of dollars. And it it is all about power. It is all about power. But the fact that conservatives are constantly getting, uh, you know, getting their speech banned, getting their shows banned, uh, getting targeted because of what they believe is terrifying. And these, we all know how these tech companies work. Very few, if any, are conservative individuals. These people that work at these companies are known liberals. They're known. They're known to be uh, left-leaning voters. If I had to give a percentage, for instance, I'd probably say only 10% are conservatives in the whole entire tech industry. That's how liberal it is. That's how liberal it is, guys. Um, I want to read. I want to read this, and I think this is really important that I read this and kind of uh, touch on this. Uh, the insider who spoke to Project Veritas also drew attention to the covert suppression of non-progressive voices on YouTube, a Google-owned platform. Said that stopping President Trump and other politicians like Trump has become a priority for the tech giant. The insider claimed that the company did a complete 180 in what they thought was important in ba- abandoning early earlier ideals of its self-expression and giving everyone a voice in favor of crackdowns on hate. Previous leaks from Google support the insider's account of a dramatic shift in thinking following the election of Trump. Wait, let me say that again. Previous leaks from Google support the insider's account of a dramatic shift in thinking following the election of Trump. It it does, because, I mean, it's turning out to be true what, what these tech giants are behind. 
uh, an internal company document titled The Good Censor leaked to Breivart News last year admits that the company has undergone a shift towards censorship in part as a response to the events of 2016 of Trump winning the election. Earlier in the year, recently fired Google software engineer Mike Wacker spoke of a colleague who informed him that a manager at the company said the tech giant needs to stop hate speech and fake news because that's how Trump won. Via Project Veritas interview with the insider, there's this facade about what they are doing, but what they are actually doing, what the employees are actually seeing inside the company is different, and people need to know what's going on with Google and that they are not an objective piece. They are not an objective source of information. They are a highly biased political machine that is bent on never letting somebody like Donald Trump come to power again. Right after Donald Trump won the election in 2016, the company did a complete 180 and what they thought was important before they thought self-expression and giving, every, giving everyone a voice was important. But now they're like, hey, there's a lot of hate. And because that, there's a lot of hate and misogyny and racism, that's the reason why Donald Trump got elected. They started talking about the need to combat hate and racism online and also at YouTube. They had the same talks by, by the SEO Susan, Sue, SEO Susan, and they talked about combating that and getting rid of unfairness. So in reality here, they call, what they call hate speech, what they call, you know, uh, racism is stuff they don't agree with. It's not that it's hateful. It's not that it's racism. They just simply don't agree with it. This is one of the biggest violations of our uh, amendment rights, violating our, our – our, um, this is our First Amendment. I mean, this is, this is one of the most important ones on earth, what they're doing. And, I, and this isn't, you know – Nothing about this is hyperbolic, everybody. This is serious. And there's even talks now that, you know, cell phone providers could ban Republicans from getting cell phones in the future because tech is taking over. And every think about all this stuff. We're talking about bank accounts. We're talking about credit cards. We're talking about everything that tech has influence over. And they got influence pretty much over every single category. And the billions and billions, with a B, of dollars they take from corrupt people is the reason mo- a lot of this is happening. They are getting, they are getting all this money, and then they got to do all these favors for the dark side. It's crazy. Now let's play this clip though from Tucker Carlson, and then we'll get everybody's thoughts. Welcome back to Tucker Carlson tonight, live from Tokyo, Japan, ahead of the president's visit in our interview at the G20 summit in Osaka. Back in America, a tech story that might seem insignificant, but is not. In fact, it may determine what happens in the next presidential election, very well may. A Google whistleblower has come forward to describe his company's plans to remake the American political landscape. Google, of course, is the most powerful company in the world. So when an anonymous whistleblower comes forward, in this case telling Project Veritas that Google is using internal algorithms to shape what Americans see online, and by extension what they think, you better take it seriously. Fairness is a dog whistle. It does not mean what you think that it means, and you have to apply double think in order to understand what they're really saying. And what they're really saying about fairness is that they have to manipulate their search results so that it gives them their political agenda that they want. And so 
they have to rebias their algorithms so that they can uh, they can get their agenda across. That's the definition of propaganda. Again, being perpetuated by the single most powerful company in the history of the world. This is not surprising to viewers of this show. James Dorn was fired for Google for his political views, his totally conventional, moderate political views. And they came on this show to describe the culture at Google. Watch this. There are definitely some political biases within Google that I was trying to shed light on in the document and that they affect many parts of the business. And for example, who they do business with and what type of content they create. And I really think that those political biases need to be addressed. It's not just whistleblowers, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, hidden camera footage obtained by Project Veritas shows a conversation with a woman called Jen Janai. Her Google title is Head of Responsive Innovations, Responsible Innovations in the Global Affairs Department. In that video, Janai says that Google is working specifically on products to make certain that Donald Trump does not win another election. Quote, we're also training our algorithms, like if 2016 happened again, would the outcome be different? People were not putting that line in the sand, that they were not saying that what's fair and what's equitable. So we're like, well, we're a big company. We're going to say it. In other words, we're going to try and affect the outcome of the 2020 presidential campaign. Janai goes on to blast Elizabeth Warren's proposal to break Google up into two companies. Why? Check out this reasoning. Quote, all these smaller companies who don't have the same resources that we do will be charged with preventing the next Trump situation. It's like a small company cannot do that. Huh. So using a company's dominance on the Internet to sway the outcome of an election, that's their plan. There should be a term for what Janai is describing. Turns out there is a term. It's a term you've heard constantly from talking heads on television for more than two years. It's called hacking an election. Google wants to hack our election. They're saying that out loud. As we've been told over and over again by CNN and the Washington Post and the New York Times and all the other propagandists, hacking an election is very bad. At minimum, it warrants a multi-year investigation by law enforcement agencies. And yet, it's happening now. The Washington establishment has said they want to prevent election interference, but of course that's a lie. They just want to make sure they control the elections. That's their only goal. That's why they're not attacking the real source of election interference, which is Silicon Valley. Google, Facebook, and their ilk have far more political power than Russia ever has or ever will have. No serious person doubts that. But the people in charge of our country don't care about any of that because when Google meddles in an election, Democrats benefit. By the way, if you want to find that video, you can't access it on YouTube. <laughs> Google took it down. That's not surprising. You can already be tossed off of YouTube and Facebook if you decide they're using speech you don't like. They'll accuse you of hate speech, whatever that means. Now they can toss you off their sites just for putting up videos that make you look bad. They probably won't be banning any DNC video time, any videos anytime soon. You can be certain of that. Meanwhile, this week, Ravelry, a knitting social networking website with 8 million members, banned all explicit support for Donald Trump and only for Donald Trump. And they got away with it. And because they have gotten away with it, other platforms almost certainly will do the same thing. All of this is going on fragrantly in public, but most Republicans haven't even responded to it. They haven't reacted at all. As soon as the 2016 election was over, the press and big tech openly began plotting on how to control the narrative in 2020, which is another way of saying control the election outcome in 2020 and using the scapegoat of fake news as an excuse to control the public discourse. 
Republicans were in charge of Congress at the time. They did nothing. The White House commands a vast regulatory apparatus. They've sat motionless and done nothing. The only Republican who seems even interested at all in the subject and keeping big tech in check at all is new Senator Josh Hawley. He just introduced a bill that would force tech companies to act as genuinely open platforms in order to receive valuable regulatory benefits. That's the deal. They're violating the deal. Nobody else seems to care. Passing Hawley's bill does not seem to be a conservative priority, though. No one in Congress is talking about it. That's a big mistake. Successful political parties look out for their supporters and for the public at large and protect them from harm. Republicans, meanwhile, are sitting in a stupefied fog of libertarianism, doing nothing while their ideas are suppressed and their supporters are silenced. One day they'll look up and find they have no supporters at all. Who will be to blame for that? Only themselves. And look, I mean, here, we, got, we got so many issues here. I mean, look at, look at how many people constantly post fake news articles on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Some people don't even check the dates. They don't even check the source. They just post it, and they automatically think it's real. And we have this from both parties. But that is how brainwashed some people are. Not everyone is like us on the panel where they check their sources and they verify everything. I mean, there's a lot of gullible people, and that's the scary part is when you have this popping across people's news feeds and they're sharing it and they're not checking their sources, yes, there's a lot of ignorant people, believe it or not. Uh, this turns into a, a very, very scary situation. And you know what I'd really like to know? Tucker brings up a really good point. Why the hell aren't our elected representatives doing something about this? I mean, I know they've talked about it, and I've known they've done certain things, but they haven't done nearly enough or, or what they should be doing. I mean, it, you know, the only thing I can come to, the only conclusion is that big tech has all this money, which they do, and they know how to silence, they know how to silence people. They know how to, you know, basically be in charge in a lot of ways. I mean, look at, look how powerful they are. Uh, let's go to uh, Dr. Branch. Dr. Branch, go ahead. Rory, I'll tell you what, uh, all, all your listeners need to know is you're still banned. I mean, I they are banning. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. They are banning, and they have been shadow banning. They have admitted the shadow banning conservative thought and talk. Well, you know, uh, it, to me, and, 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 and something that is so crazy about all of this, is did you know that cyborg is now a gender? What? Say it again. Cyborg. Cyborg is now a gender. What so in Arizona's uh, universities, you can select your gender. And one of the genders now is cyborg. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Uh, Representative Kelly Townsend uh, was talking about that yesterday, and to me, that just floors me. We are yeah. going into probably the biggest election uh, ever. that we have ever. ever seen. Everybody says Russia, Russia interference. No, our big tech, Facebook, Twitter. Everybody, and even like you were talking about and Tucker is talking about, our cell phone companies, what we tweet, how we get banned, 
how dare they ban people? I mean, you know, why are you banned? I mean, in all seriousness, why are you banned? And and to me, coming into an election cycle, when you go and you ban a talk show, a talk show host, you are making it loud and clear what side you are on. You know, and and to me, this is this is outrageous. Plus, you don't even know online anymore who you're talking to because of the chatbots that these people like. So many robots uh, and computers. Well, that's that's well, it's absolutely right. You have artificial intelligence now communicating, so they could be you know trolling you online, and you may think it's a human, but the reality yeah. is a chatbot. You don't right. know. You don't even know who you're talking to anymore yeah. online. They could be just out getting information from you. What is your political position? You may be responding to them thinking it's, you know, a fan that wants to have a serious conversation and you answer them honestly, next thing you know, yeah. you're banned. And and to me this is really unacceptable. I wish our representatives like you said, I've heard so many of our representatives get on TV and get on the radio and say, well, we're going to do something. It's like, well, you know, 2020 is coming up. You better do something quickly uh, because this whole Russian yeah, interference. Now, now is the most been, important it, time to take action because 2020 is the most important election of our lifetime. We need to take action like now because the, the, all the election stuff is starting to happen. The debates for Democrats are tomorrow. You know the, the weird influencing is going to start. Well, and that's absolutely right. Tomorrow it will all start. Tomorrow the polls. The tomorrow who can best beat Trump. That will all be out based on the next two de- two nights of of debates. And to me, it has to stop. Uh, you know this this whole, and you hit it right on the head. This is propaganda. This is media controlling the nation, and that should be unacceptable to every American. I don't care, you know, right, left, or center. This should be unacceptable Mm -hmm. that there is technology, and and I am surrounded by this technology. This is what, you know, uh, I teach. This is is my doctoral program that I run is technology, and it's getting more advanced and more advanced. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I own I own an app company, a mobile app company. We build apps for businesses and, and individuals, and you know, just some of the like the things you can do on an app are unbelievable for in terms of like, uh, you know, surveillance stuff. How you can get access to so much stuff. I mean, technology. There's no limit. I mean, the sky's the limit of what the capabilities are, and that's the scariest part of all of this with Google and stuff. You know. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know, so you know firsthand. I mean, when you could come up with an app uh, that can control, for instance, I, I could, I, you know, and there's apps out there. When I'm in a crowd, I can control the messages that go across everybody's phone, um, right. you know, in proximity, and you know, I can do, you know, it's 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 not even hard to do. Uh, so if you want to see a, a news message. Uh, I can do that in a crowd where everybody in the crowd gets the same message and they think it's from a new source. Um, And, you know, quite frankly, it's, it, it, 
it is incredible. It's incredible that these people are coming forward and, and even telling us their agenda and they're still being unchecked. You're absolutely right. Very, very well said. Uh, let's go to Eric, Eric Thompson. I, I know you've talked about this on your radio show uh, this week. Uh, something re- this Obviously, this topic is really concerning to you. Uh, give us your thoughts. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, a couple, oh yeah, a couple years ago, I, I did uh, several thousand Uber rides because I wanted to get access to people working at Google, Apple, Facebook, uh, Israeli I, you know, artificial intelligence companies, and they kind of told me that this was coming. You know, they're going to get rid of forty percent of the jobs by two thousand thirty. Yeah. You know, they're they're going. They were they call them frenemies, where they're friendly enemies. So tech was coming together. Even you know, in seventeen, right after President Trump was sworn in, they were already meeting. I actually took somebody from Microsoft over to Facebook. So artificial intelligence is what this article, the uh, the Project Veritas thing. They they got one of the ladies that's responsible for this artificial intelligence conversion to, as she said, well, nobody wanted to say what was truth or nobody wanted to say, put the the, the line in the sand on what's what's true, what's false, what's nice, what's not nice. So we at Google decided on our own to create those lines. We, we are determining what is good speech, bad speech, what's good media, what's bad media. And at 3 trillion searches a year, they are controlling the search results of 3 trillion different searches annually by their algorithm only showing you what you should see, not what they think you shouldn't see. Um, just, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson talked about this knitting company a knitting company actually kicked Trump supporters off called Ravelry this week. This is where you go and knit stuff and you watch other people knitting. Used to be old women would have knitting parties. Well, now they've decided, you know, if you, if you like President Trump, you can't knit with us anymore. Um, there was a, an interview I saw a couple of years ago where the British Parliament was discussing giving legal protection to artificial intelligence robots as they became more aware like humans. So if you insulted, if you insult a robot in the future, they wanted to give the robots like their constitutional rights of not being harassed. So that's how, that's how deep this is. Um, I, I was listening to Joe Pags a little bit ago, parlor, which is a social media site that's becoming popular um, they were contacted by Apple. If you don't start limiting the speech from your people on your social media platform, we're going to kick your app off of Apple. So nope. what's going to happen yeah. in the future is if you got an Apple phone and you're about to watch a Trump rally and they deemed that that rally is hateful, anyone that's got an Apple phone, they can just basically say nobody can watch it. Because it's hate speech. And since everybody's in bed with Google or Apple on the phones, then there'd be no, there would be no secondary option for people to go to. So I, I'm actually very concerned. I think the way 
the way we, we are, we're the frog in the, in the water and we're boiling right now and we're about to kill over and most people don't realize it and tech is moving quickly. Artificial intelligence is moving quickly and I don't think most people either see it or they just don't care enough to want to do something about it. So I'm very concerned. Very, very well said. Very, very well said. Uh, let, let's go to Gianni. Gianni in New York. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love Project Veritas. You know, they really always expose a lot of stuff that was going on underhanded in the government, especially with right. the Democratic side. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's getting scary. You know, I I just don't know how to feel about it, you know, because at one point, you know, you say about the AI and the automation. I always talk about this on Facebook all the time about how – it's the fourth industrial revolution. You know, there's always something new, just like it used to be where you had, you know, coal and fossil fuels. Now the whole thing is, you know, big tech and energy and all this other stuff is coming. And we have to prepare for it. And a lot of conservatives, right. I feel like, bring up parlor news. I'm a person that's on parlor and, you know, I'm, I'm up there frequently. And that shocked me what your guest just said about, you know, him saying we're going to kick your ass off of, of Apple if you don't limit the speech. And, and that shocked me because that was a website that's not like Twitter or Facebook where they limit your speech. You can say anything. But now if Apple finds out, it's going to kick you off. So that's why I believe as conservatives we have to start bringing people into big tech. We can't say look at them and they're the bad people. We need to go in and say, all right, which conservative – I feel like that has these abilities to do in, to, uh, to be, have leadership in big tech. We need to start making our own companies. Start. We need to be the difference because, and it's not just conservative; it's American companies. And I believe that the more we start, because President Trump, I, I, I love him dearly, but I don't know if he's going to do anything for the whole, you know, signing something for social media, free speech, because, like you said, it's been. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 is here, and no one's doing anything. And I would say to Tucker Carlson's um, merit, he talks about the Koch brothers. And why is the Republican Party ran by the Koch brothers? Why? They don't have anything that they agree with with us, anything. They're all for open borders. They're all for free stuff. They're all for this stuff. Why, why are they? Why are we taking money? A lot of think tanks, conservative think tanks in D.C. receive money from the Koch brothers. I know this because I used to be a part of some. And, you know, I believe the Koch brothers, the Republican Party, is not speaking out like they should against uh, the, limit of, uh, the, the limit and restriction yeah. on free speech because they know that they're funded by the Koch brothers and they will lose it because the Koch Take brothers rhinos. are not friends. The Koch brothers are rhinos. Total rhinos. Yeah, yeah, that rhinos. They're the they're the Jeff Blake. They're the Jeff Blakes of the world. Yeah, you know, and they even said that they weren't they were supporting Donald Trump. They said that clearly. They want a Democrat candidate. They said. Yeah, and we still, as a party, embrace the Koch brothers because that money comes running in. So money makes politicians talk, and we have to stop. Uh, we need to put a line in the sand. I don't mean, you know, hating people, but we need to put a line in the sand and say, all right, 
Well, guess what? If you're going to support that person that obviously isn't about free speech, guess what? We don't want, as a Republican Party, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We don't want your money. We don't want anything. And I think we have to start doing it like the guy in Alabama. You know, I have different views on abortion, but the guy in Alabama, where they tried to give him all that money to change his, the way he thought, thought of the laws, what did he say? No. He rejected the money. And that's what we have to start doing. We have to start saying, listen, we're not going to accept money from the Koch brothers. We're not going to accept money from these different, different lobbyists that are lobbying for a Democrat and a Republican at the same time. We're not going to do that right. anymore. And that's what's going on. All the politicians in Congress is ran by lobbyists, is ran by special interests, and is ran by the Koch brothers, all of them. And that's why they're not saying anything or signing legislation, because they know if they do that, they can't be friends with their Democratic buddy over there in Congress. And I believe we have to, you know, weed out the rhinos and weed out these people that are corrupt and just using us for pawns. No, I agree with you. You're you're absolutely right, 100. Um, let me let me let's get Kevin. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Go ahead. Well, when it comes to the greatest threats of mankind, technology is number one. You have some of the smartest people in the world. Amen. Yep. This threat. You have the the late. Dr. Stephen Hawking, you have Elon Musk, you have Ted Kaczynski, all these professors and people that work within the space that have seen the kind of uh, colossal damage that it could produce. We have Edward Snowden, who released all these classified documents showing how invasive uh, the tech industry has been uh, and our government has been in order to spy on us and get collect as much data and store all this metadata so that they could use it against us in the future. And of course, as Dr. Bob Branch had said, these is not just groups like Facebook and social media, and uh, it's also groups like, um, overall, it's groups uh, that are focused on uh, collecting all of our information in order to use it against us. So I, I would say it's not like guns to where, you know, it takes a person to use a gun in order to cause some harm. Technology could actually cause harm on its own, and we've reached this point. You know, we think it's some sort of joke at this point that, um, it, we could really reach the point where you could say something hateful online, for example, and then the technology industry will cut you off of your electricity. They could cut you off of these services uh, like banking or anything that has to do with money or uh, because they own the, the entire space. And it really is a, an incredible threat that we have to uh, stand up against. And I, I really praise uh, uh, Carlson, Tucker Carlson, for uh, letting people know that the libertarianism is a great flaw in the Republican ideology. It's a very flaccid, uh, useless point of view. I think that when people realize that when you have a liberalism uh, that's not actually doing anything for them other than giving our enemies the ability to work against us, then we're not, we're not protecting our Republican values. We're not protecting our country, and we're having, we're having a very oligarchical system take over and it's very uh, globalist in nature they want to reach out across borders and they want to bring people in and they want to have this big you know utopia system that supersedes how our government functions and technology is the number one tool of them doing that it, it, it's a great threat because there's no way for us to counter this without the, our government taking over. We're not going to be able to create our own companies that people are en masse going to you know, adopt and just beat these mega, you know, totally huge transnational corporations like Google. 
and they have all the technology and they're going to use it against us. And this, the sooner we actually make tangible efforts to stop it, the absolute better it would be for us. I agree. I agree. Very well said as always. Uh, I'm going to go to Mike Peters in New York and then I'm going to take a commercial break and we'll introduce our guest. Uh, Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead. Rory, you know what? I've noticed something interesting over the years now. There was a Facebook page for our congressional district, uh, which was set up by the liberals. And at first, everything worked out. We'd have discussions and everything else. This is going back to 2009, 2008, nine. And little by little, it started to get heated up. And by the right. second election, um, what they did, the fight started out. And the liberals started their typical stuff, and we were all Nazis, and we were this, and they started uh, kicking people off the page. Eventually, it got down to one move where they kicked everybody, any of us, any of the conservatives, they kicked all of us in one move. There was a crystal knock, man. They just went in and they did us all up, and they kicked everybody off the page. So you know what? None of us cared. We started another page and said, you know, for... All of the survivors of the such and such district, congressional district, and as a joke, and we were in it. We don't care. I noticed that the conservative. We don't. We don't need them. I don't need the arguments. I don't need the grief and everything else. I already have my beliefs. They have their beliefs. Good luck to them. You know what? We're going ahead with our stuff. And well, they sat there and they fermented. They couldn't last long. It was like part of the recipe was missing, and it was us. The other side of it, the black and white, the yin and yang. They couldn't exist. They couldn't exist without the fights and justifying who they are and their beliefs and everything without. And they started searching us out and coming on our pages. They get, and this is the same thing. Let's, I'm convinced of it. Let Facebook, let Google and everything else, they can ban all of us. And they're doing it. And, but eventually they're going to realize that part of their recipe is missing and part of the spark is gone. Now you've got a room full of fucking purple-haired, wacko, feminist, whatever they are. <laughs> All sitting there doing a, doing a united circle jerk together. What good is it? Do you think they're going to get bored eventually with that? Yes, they will. Because they're, they're going to realize there's nobody to fight. We have nothing to champion, no cause, because we all say the same shit, and that's boring. And we're those conservatives. We have to go up. It's not going to last long, these people. Now, I've seen a different side of it than you have for the banning, because as being into the history side of it, there are pages that are closed and secret on Facebook that we've had to do that to protect ourselves for military collectors and military historians. And yeah. you know what? Over the past two weeks, they've been killing. They've been shutting down the pages on us with no explanation, no reasons. They've been going in and shutting them down because they consider us, even if you're a historian and you're discussing something. Like I, I post up a Model 35 German helmet or whatever, and we start discussing, okay, there's a Navy pattern with a Great Eagle. Look at this. Okay, these were... Bah, 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 bah. Oh, it doesn't matter. You're a Nazi. No, we're not. We're historians. We're discussing. Nope, you're a Nazi. That's it. You put up a swastika. Something with a swastika. You're a Nazi. And they're banning people, and it's turned. They don't want to hear it. It's even, it's insane. There was a museum in Europe that had a video that was shut off. It was shut down by, uh, by uh, YouTube because they, had, they, shut that, they, they erased that movie that the museum put up. The museum came back and fought them and said, what are you doing? You know, it's a knee-jerk reaction that's a reaction that the liberals do with everything, whether it's gun control or anything else. It's too much work to look into it to really do it correctly. So let's just shut all of it down. And then we can be utopian and, like, um, I don't know, rainbows and unicorns. 
it's one shot, one law fits all, and they're going to just shut everything down. They don't care. But it's not going to last long because they're going to find themselves in that room by themselves. And now a lot of the collectors, we've been sharing emails and everything, and they found there are three other sites that they're moving over to that, you know, will let us put up or do whatever. They don't, they don't care. Right. I hope the neo-wackos stay away from us. We don't, we don't have any need for any of those idiots. But you, you see what I mean? I, I think they're forcing us to – they're creating a divide, but they're realizing that their divide it always backfires on them, and they end up – it costs them in the end. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. You know, it makes all the sense. And just to mention some of those platforms where people can go if they want the alternative from places like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Gab, um, Eric Thompson, who's on the line right now with us, his new social media site, Megabook, it's called Megabook. Yeah, it's the same layout as Facebook, really nice. And then there's also something called MeWe. So everybody, Mm. a lot of different options. Yep. A lot of things, yeah, a lot of things that keep coming out and a lot of different alternatives. And, you know, the way technology has evolved with all, with with everything, I I think there's just going to be more and more that will continue to come out and, uh, you know, give us, give us a a great platform to speak on for sure. Uh, We'll go to commercial, everybody. Oh, go ahead. What, Mike? Sorry. Oh, no, no problem. I just coughed. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, everybody, we'll we'll go to commercial. Uh, we'll be right back with our guest uh, Ashley um, Camras. Very excited to talk to her. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey flatiron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only ten dollars. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Fridays, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. 
Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenexgenusa.com. And remember, in, the com- in, the co- in about a month, we will be launching our new uh, media network, um, which is going to be 24-7. Um, we ha- already have like 80 to 85% of the time slots and, and TV slots filled up, so we only, only have about 15 to 20% left to fill. Uh, a lot of notable names will be doing their own shows. And as everybody knows, we will be having uh, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and, and uh, director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, that will be the faces of this new network. And I'm very uh, fortunate and uh, proud to call them friends and uh, lucky to know them. Good, as genuine and authentic as they get. And everybody remember, I mean, they, they have billions of followers, so they're the perfect faces uh, for this new network. All right. Uh, I do want to introduce our guest. I believe she is on with us. Um, media commentator, uh, filmmaker, PR specialist, activist, and Emmy Award winner, Ashley Tamrath. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Rory. Thanks for having me. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did. <laughs> okay. That's half the battle Perfect. right there. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad I – because some, some last names, I, I for some reason, I, I, I can't pronounce them sometimes, but I'm glad I got it right. Um, so, Ashley, your first time on the show, you know, I, like I do with all my guests when they first come on, I, I kind of like to get a, a little bit of a background about you, how it all started for you. How, how it led to this, you know, where you're at in your part of your career today. And you've, you've lived quite a life. I mean, you've won Emmys. You've done a lot of great journalist work, uh, done a lot of great activist work, a lot of nonprofits helping the veterans. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff you've done. Yeah, thank you. It, um, it's, it has been, it's been a very, very exciting journey, and I've just been very fortunate. I'm, I'm full of gratitude for the path that I've led and uh, continue to, to go down. So um, for me, to answer your question, it, it started really with my, my family's heritage and um, military tradition in my family. My grandfather was 24 years old when he paid the ultimate sacrifice for the United States Air Force. My mother was two at the time. And um, that kind of is, is the skin and bones. That's why I do what I do. Um, it all started there. Um, to continue the story, my uh, stepfather served. He's a retired Army colonel. My brothers, you know, served in the Marine Corps. And I've had a lot of friends serve, and especially when 9-11 happened, that was kind of when my passion really got sparked to, uh, to serve this military community. And from that, because I had a career in TV and radio, it, it just I was able to marry and, and bring the two to, together, media and military, and, and really – do what I can to provide a voice for our veterans and our military families. Yeah, I mean it's it's remarkable. I mean, you know, obviously you have the back the backstory of your family being 
heavily involved with the military now. Did your father, your brothers, like, is it, has it been a, a like a tradition that everybody pretty much carries on? Well, it's funny. I mean, it, it's kind of ironic that, yeah, every man in my family has served. And, um, you know, my great-grandfather was them. in World War hey, II. Man. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very proud. And um, my grandfather, great-grandfather, rather, was in World War II. He was a Bronze Star recipient. And then, like I said, my grandfather uh, served in the Air Force. And, yeah, we've, we've served in every branch but Coast Guard. And um, I have a uh, a female cousin who's active duty in the Air Force right now. But, you know, the great thing about the military community is that it, it it's all one big family in itself. So, um, I've been so blessed through serving this community that, I mean, I have a massive family and, and they're worldwide um, from every branch. And I've got a ton of kids and, and quote unquote adopted soldiers out there that, you know, call me Aunt Ashley or, um, you know, I send postcards to and stuff like that. So it's, it, it's, it's a big family. It really is. And uh, it's important, I think, because we have a lot of issues facing us and and uh, to do the hard work, to do the day-to-day work, you've got to be tight-knit and, uh, and close. So that's been a great blessing, too. I love that. I love that. Um, so I want to I ask you, so obviously you've had a career in radio and TV. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. And you've done over 30 commercials. I mean, you've, and two, you were in two feature films as well. Yeah. And television. Uh, I, I was. Um, so it was all an accident, <laughs> as as often it is. Um, I actually was at university getting my degree in public speaking and public relations, which I'm fortunate to uh, to do currently as well. But um, I I was actually running a booking agency for country music artists there in Central Texas. We kind of had a Texas country music revolution back when I was in college, and I was running a booking agency, getting different bands booked at venues across the great state. And, uh, and I, I met a young lady who's still one of my very best friends to this day. And she was a television host in Austin. And I was in my senior year at Southwest Texas and I needed one more internship for one of my classes. And, and we were kind of joking one night, uh, while we were out at a, a music gig and she said, why don't you just come be my intern? And I said, okay, that'd be cool. I, you know, I've, I had dabbled in TV and radio when I was in high school, just at the school program. So I said, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? And, um, six months later found myself out of college and with a part-time job with the TV show. And then it was about six months after that, she decided that she wanted to get off camera and start making the real money. So that uh, left a vacant host position and they were interviewing just young woman after young woman and a couple of gentlemen. And then they just couldn't find the right fit. And one day I was um, in the office, truth be told, I was mocking her like in a joking way. She was sitting right there. Like I said, we're very dear friends. And I was just kind of imitating her and our producer said, you're hired. And I said, what? No, I don't, I don't want to, (laughs) I don't want to do TV. I don't want to be on camera. Well, sure enough, it led to, it led to where I am today, and which is just, it's funny because it, it was all a mistake, but it was a great mistake, and it, it's been a lot of fun. I, I did um, the Hot on Home television show in Austin and San Antonio for seven years. From there, had a, a radio show in Austin about Texas football because football and military are my two greatest loves and passions besides my family and God. But, um, yeah, so that, that just kind of continued to open more doors and um, – I started doing some PR and marketing for one of America's largest home builders, D.R. Horton. And through that, um, 
you know, had some free time to do some documentaries that were more military focused. When 9-11 happened, I had two very close friends deploy immediately. And, um, and I remember just feeling so helpless, uh, you know, cause I was a broke college kid, you know, what could I do to help? And, and the only thing right. I realized that I could really do, um, was write letters. And so I, I wrote yeah. each of them letters every night for the back then 18 month deployments. And, uh, it made me feel good. Selfishly, it made me feel good because I knew I was making their day brighter. And, um, again, back then the deployments were so much longer than they are now. And so when they both thank, thank the Lord returned because a lot of guys from their units didn't, um, they both told me, you know, what, a, what a difference that made in their deployment and, and how great it made them feel. Well, again, it made me feel good. So that led to the volunteering with the USO and then different other nonprofits. So, you know, simultaneously I'm working for the home builder and I'm able to still do some media stuff. And so I said, well, man, we really need to start telling some of these stories I'm witnessing. And I think this was kind of a little bit ahead of, you know, the, everybody's got a podcast within the military community days. And so I, I was able to uh, start start my radio show on ESPN and then do some of the documentaries. Wow! So wait, so tell us wait tell us about that. So you were you were doing documentaries on ESPN. Please elaborate. I, I love this. Yeah. No. So I uh, I was actually um, I, I did a radio show on ESPN called The Real Heroes. It was there in Austin, Texas, and um, I'm actually. Um, still doing some radio stuff that we can talk about in a second, but I, uh, yeah, I, I, I said, man, we, we really need to be telling these stories. Um, and yeah. I was fortunate to have a producer that's been with the network for many, many years. And I was just, you know, chit chatting with him and he said, yeah, I, I agree. And I said, so look, I'll send them over to you every week or, you know, however you want to do it. And he said, no, I, I want you to come tell them because you know, your family and you know, the military and you're, you're really ingrained in this. And uh, I said, yeah, okay, no problem. So, yeah, for five years on ESPN. We would do it on college game day there, big University of Texas Longhorn fan, and, and we would do it on college game day. It would have anyone from a Medal of Honor recipient to a burn survivor to, you know, the child of someone deployed to, um, you know, a, a gold star spouse who'd lost her husband on Christmas Day. I mean, you know, I just – I really tried to – show the 99% what the 1%, not only what they go through, but how tenacious they are and how, um, again, close-knit and tight and amazing this community is. Um, you know, life yeah. is tough. Uh, junior high is tough. Uh, you know, being a, a married spouse, you know, with a, a parent gone, and, and so you're essentially you're a single parent if you've got kids, you know, it's tough. But then you add all things military and, and the fear of not knowing if that person's ever coming home and you right. add, um, you know, something that, that is a, a stigma and, and something that, that does face our military community, PTSD, when they get home, you know, anti-bullying and all that kind of stuff. It, uh, yeah. It's something that I, I wanted the 99% to know, hey, you know, th this is what this community goes through, but this is also how amazing this community is because they go through this stuff. So. So we started that, and I remember my producer, we were sitting there at lunch, he said, uh, he said, okay, well, you know, we've got to come up with a cool name, so just, you know, think about what you want to call it. Well, it was a sports station, clearly, and so I said, the real heroes, I just spit it out, and he said, well, I mean, yeah, okay, why? And I said, well, because everybody idolizes these sports heroes, and I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, like I said, diehard native Texan Longhorn fan my whole life, Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams, you know, don't do better than that. Well, 
there's so many, you know, so much media and the TV and, you know, the Kardashians and all these people that I see, I see everybody just so obsessed with. It's like, no, these are the real heroes. These are the men and women who've really done something to make a huge difference. And again, I'm, I'm a diehard sports fan, but um, it was just a no brainer name for me because that's how I truly feel about, you know, the people that I've been able to, to capture their story. And so uh, the the radio show was a big hit, and then from there, um, I started to get opportunities. I had different TV networks and even independent um, production companies contact me to host because I had the TV experience as well, the on camera experience. You know, contact me to come host different documentaries. And so, um, the the two that that I won the Emmys for were uh, the Remembrance Rescue Project, which I shot um, in a small town called Allen, Texas, just outside of Dallas where a group of Chicago firefighters actually went in and purchased two of the fire trucks that went in on 9-11. And um, they're taking them on a tour of America. So children who weren't alive or were too young to understood what, understand rather what happened that day can actually touch a piece of history. They can really get a feel for what happened that day by seeing these trucks. And um, so that was a very, very special project, very close to my heart. And then um, I, I got to go on an honor flight, which is an incredible organization I, I work closely with in Austin, with a, uh, a World War II veteran, Marine veteran, named Jack Maroney. And I got to capture his experience of, uh, of going and seeing the memorials and being amongst his brothers and sisters in arms. And that was very, very special. And then um, the, the second Emmy I won was for a documentary that I produced and hosted, um, called Blood and Steel, and it was about the 3rd Cavalry Regiment out of Fort Hood, Texas. They were um, at the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California, and I got to embed with them for 48 hours and capture what what soldiers go through to prepare to go downrange, to go to Afghanistan. They were about to deploy, so I got to go <laughs> spend some time in the desert with them, which was very interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, this is this is all incredible stuff that you've you've lived through and you know what explain the experience you know and feeling of not only winning one emmy but two emmys i mean that's just that's unbelievable you know yeah it, it, most certainly i mean extremely humbling and and to be to be in the uh in the company of of the people that i was in the company of um not only within the documentaries but of course um within the competition itself yeah, it was incredible, but that, that's not why, you know, that's not why I did it. Um, it. For me, from the radio show, from day one, for the documentaries and everything, it's just, you know, I, I feel like God has blessed me so much and he's blessed me with a voice and he's blessed me with an outlet or multiple outlets. Yeah. And so if I can use those outlets to provide a voice for this veteran community, then, uh, you know, I, I feel so blessed because um, I don't know who said the quote. You might know, uh, you know, the most important day is the day you find out why you're why you were born. How does it go? The two most important days of the day you were born and the day you find out why. There we go. But um, yeah, I, so I, I'm blessed. I know. I know. The quote, I know why. I know the quote well, I know the quote well, but I just don't I don't know who who said it. But continue. Sorry. It's probably it's probably Winnie the Pooh or something. Um, so. <laughs> I, uh, no, I mean, I, I do, I, I feel truly blessed because, you know, I'm, I'm 38 years old and I know why I was put on this earth. And so when you know that there's no question, there's no, there's no, you know, flailing around, you just go for it and you go full speed. And especially when, you know, you're doing work that's, that's so gratifying and you know, you're helping other people and, you know, we're, we're, 
we've been at war for well over a decade. We're almost getting closer to the, the two decades, uh, you know, at this point. And, and so there are so many things that, um, that are facing our military families. And I've, you know, I've been serving on five boards for the past 10 years. And um, I've kind of, even just this year, stepped back and reevaluated everything and said, you know, what's the most important cause to me? And I've lost six friends to suicide, six veteran friends to suicide, and it sucks, and it's really hard, and I'm over it. And so I've, I've really kind of focused on my efforts this year on, you know, trying to do anything I can to help the incredible individuals that are doing the hard work to not only create the awareness but also prevent the veteran suicide and support these families because I've seen firsthand how hard it can be. So. Um, yeah, it has been absolutely amazing and incredible and humbling and exciting. But at the end of the day, you know, this is why. This is why because the human life is so precious, and we've got we've got men and women who are struggling, and we've got to do what we can because it's right. you know it's our duty. I truly feel like it's our duty to yeah. to support those that went and fought for us. Absolutely, one hundred percent, and. You know, I was I was reading that you you go all over the place to help out different uh, military organizations uh, throughout the country, which I think is is wonderful. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean it's exciting. It's uh, you know there's uh, fortunately there's so many military bases and, and organizations right here in the great state of Texas, which I you know am very fond of. And how do you know someone's from Texas? Wait ten seconds and they'll tell you. So. Um, it's one of those things where that we have so many great organizations all over the all over the world doing great things. One of the organizations I support is actually called Irish Veterans, and it's based out of a, a small village in County Cork called Kinsale, which is, you know, right. my Irish village. And and so it's it is a worldwide a worldwide thing. And and um yeah, I love to I love to travel. I've always loved to travel, and I've been blessed in uh in being able to do a lot of that. But um, there's so many events going on all the time, it seems, but like I said, fortunately, a lot of them right here in the great state of Texas. Um, so I've, I've done some PR work for a Medal of Honor recipient that's based right here out of, of Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, Lieutenant Michael Thornton. He was one of the original Navy SEALs and actually one of the only Medal of Honor recipients to receive his medal, saving the life of another Medal of Honor recipient. Um, and so my work with him and PR has taken me quite a few places. And then just with the different organizations that I work with, I was actually in LA last week with a really great group called We Are the Mighty. Uh, check that out. I encourage everyone to go check that website out because they put out some really great military content, um, not just, uh, you know, current day stories, but also, you know, historic stories. They did a lot of coverage of Normandy and stuff like that. So. Very, very well said. I, I do have uh, my panel, who I know wants to probably ask you a bunch of questions. Um, Dr. Branch, I'll start with you. Go ahead. Yes, Ashley, I, I want to thank you very much for being on tonight. Uh, actually, Mark Twain said it. Uh, ah, there I, you go. <laughs> so, so we'll give we'll give Winnie the Pooh credit for something else. But yeah, Mark Twain actually said that. Uh, I'm the uh I'm the professor on the panel and uh you know when I when first of all uh I'm a vet and a father of a vet and reading your bio and everything that you've done I I sincerely want to thank you 
for everything that you have been doing for the vets. Uh, it's really impressive, and, you know, just God bless you. I, I sincerely mean that. Um, Rory is now going to travel across the nation, go up through Washington, D.C., and go up to Boston. I am blessed that during the hottest time of the year, during this 4th of July, I get to be on Lake Travis for six days, so oh, I will be down and awesome. I'll be down in that <laughs> neck of the wood frying. So going from Phoenix God's to Lake country. Travis, but <laughs> God's country, absolutely. So I'll be down there, and uh, but I, I do want to thank you for what you're doing. Something that's really interesting to me in your bio, um, because at Grand Canyon University, I teach at Grand Canyon University and Liberty University, a number one, number two Christian universities for the uh, number of students that go to it. Uh, I teach servant leadership uh, to the doctorate level. Uh, and one thing that I found interesting is when they describe you, it says servant leader. Uh, can can you tell us why or how or your background in servant leadership? Uh, I understand what you're doing for the vets and all that, but you know why? Why are why are you described as that? Uh, and because I want to use that uh, your definition uh, tomorrow night, actually, when I lecture on the subject. Interesting. And I honestly, I'm, I'm first of all, thank you for your kind words, and thank you uh, more importantly for your service and for your son's son or daughter's service. It didn't didn't pick up, but um, my son, from my one military son. family it, to another. Okay, thank you. Um, and I, I'm not even sure uh, the servant leadership, what you're referring to um, in my bio, I'm, there's quite a few things out there, but um, it's, it's definitely, there's another quote and shame on me for, <laughs> for really screwing up who's saying what, but um, if not now, when, and if not me, who? Um, That's right. Winston Churchill. I'm looking but at anyway, the OSD so, website. Ah, okay. Okay. Um yeah, so that someone described me as that, I guess. So um, to me, it, it goes back to that. It goes back to that quote. I, I think a, a truly effective leader leads from the back, and um, it, it's it's one of the most humbling things I've ever been able to be a part of. Because while I do feel like within the civilian community, I am I am leading people more than anything. I guess giving people an outlet to serve and to give. For me, it really is just about that first word of, of serving. It's it's about um, serving those who have served us and served our country. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and something that I've listened to that it doesn't sound like you've set out to be a leader, but you mm-hmm. are. And to me, that is something that's impressive and probably instilled in most servant leaders. Um and it, it's funny that you said, you know, you mentioned the quote, you know, if not me, who else? Because, you know, that's that means that you didn't you didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to be the leader of this. You became the leader in this because of the actions that you have been doing. And so uh, I'm, I'm yes, thoroughly impressed with your bio uh, and, and what you have done and. You know, I, I understand you got the accolades, too, and, uh, you know, I'll never win an Emmy in my life. I'll never do anything to, to win an Emmy, so that's totally impressive. But the work that you've been doing is probably even more rewarding. So God bless you. Well, for thank you. you. And, and 
Oh, thank you so much. No, I, and, I, and I agree. And, and you're right. I didn't set out to do it. It's certainly not uh, where I thought I would, I would be. It's not where I, you know, sought out or, or aim to, uh, to wind up, but man, I'm so, I'm so thankful and so blessed, you know, and I have to give all the credit in the world to my mother, um, again, who's a gold star daughter. Her father died when she was two years old. And so she never knew him, um, just stories of him and, and through photographs. And so, um, she is just one of the most amazing women on earth. And she, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've grown up seeing her, not only her patriotism, but her love of country, um, her love of our military, and um, her passion and compassion for people. And so she really instilled that in my sister and I from a very young age and um, also encouraged us to, you know, if there's a need, if there's someone hurting, if there's someone that, that you know, could benefit in any way from something you're able to give, step up. And, and that's, that's yeah. just a lesson that I, I think is so important. And, and I'm just so blessed to have a very strong female role model that taught us to do that. And so, you know, definitely serve, but also step up if the need is there. So thank you, sir. Very, very well said. Very well said. Uh, Eric Thompson, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, it's great having you on tonight. I actually, I was in the Marine Corps um, back during the Desert Storm years, Semper and I lived in Keller, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Semper Fi, thank ah. you. Yeah, I lived in Texas for seven years in Keller. So um, so I, I, I understand. I, I think I think why you're a blessing is that you, 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 you came from a, ground, a good foundation, and then you were sensitive to the needs of people. So your parents set a good foundation, and you just, fallen into what you were called to do and what 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 is it like when you go to to that sort to people or you're out doing documentaries i mean can you explain to people listening in these 24 other countries what does it mean when someone like you comes around and uh and wants to engage the people that have served and and how how it, it like it just it, it makes them come alive can you kind of explain what that feels like to help these, these guys and girls, you know, feel alive again and feel welcomed. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of twofold. What's funny. Um, I'm just actually having this discussion yesterday. It's kind of twofold because sometimes you show up and, you know, you're just another reporter and then, and then it's, so it's almost like a, it's almost to me an inviting or interesting challenge, if you will, because it's, you know, okay. I'm not just a reporter, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter of a retired army colonel and I'm, I'm a gold star granddaughter of an air force pilot. And, and so once they, once you have that connection with them and they realize, Hey, you're one of them, you know, there's, you see the, the barriers break down, you see the walls break down and you see people open up. And, and for me, that's one of the greatest feelings because I know how intimidating it can be, you know, to have a reporter come, uh, you know, ask you a bunch of questions, if you will. Um, but for me to be able, again, to be the voice to tell the stories, it, it just, it, selfishly, it feels, it, it feels really good. It feels really good to, um, you know, especially when we were doing the show on College Game Day, which, is, again, we're about to bring it back, um, to, to tell someone's story and, and show the, the common thread that I find through all of my heroes that I've featured 
is, is their mm-hmm. humility. I mean, they're all so extremely humble. All the Medal of Honor recipients I've ever been in contact with, you know, none of them, they all wear the medal so heavy because they don't feel like they deserved it. They were just doing their job. They were doing their duty. And, and so it, it means the world to me when I'm able to tell their stories and then I see the reaction from people that might not otherwise have been exposed to military life. And that's, you know, that's why we started it. I want the 99% to know who the 1% are. And there's a lot of stereotypes out there. I get stereotyped as a, a female blonde reporter that comes in with a microphone, um, just like our men and women in uniform get stereotyped, you know, by the media, <laughs> and uh, ironically. And um, so it's, it's just it's one of the greatest feelings in the world when we're able to break down those barriers. You know, one of the organizations that I do a lot of work with is, is called 22 Kill, and I encourage everyone to go check this out because I am very familiar with a lot of military organizations. I've given 15 years of my life to this. Um, but I've really kind of gone all in with 22 Kill this year because um, – at the end of the day, I think so many military organizations are doing amazing things, but at the end of the day, if we still have men and women taking their own life, it, it, we, yeah. we've, got, we've got a bigger problem. It's a, it's a bigger issue that we've really got to address. So 22 Kill is an organization that focuses on um, not only veteran suicide awareness, but veteran suicide prevention and support and counseling for the families. And so... Um, you know, we, we do have, like I said, we do have big issues facing us. And it's not just a veteran thing. It's a human thing. You know, we all, we all have tragedy and we all suffer in our own way. And so it's just a matter of us being able to talk about it. And I really feel like this organization is doing the right thing. And they're really starting this conversation, even though it's not an easy conversation to have. And so um, for me, as someone who's, you know, part of that media group, um, it's, it's as hard as it can be at times, and I've lost six friends, like I said, it's the greatest blessing to be able to be part of the conversation and help push the cause because it's something that we absolutely must address. If we're going to spend the resources to send our men and women over to fight this war or these wars that we're involved in, we've got to be able yeah. to spend the money for when they get back. We've got to be able to spend the resources and wrap our arms right. around them as a community for for their mental health when they get back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, go ahead. Well, I'm very honored and glad to hear that uh, someone with such an extensive uh, career in all these documentaries and uh, broadcasting stories uh, have uh, been on this channel. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful to hear about it. And also uh, what really stands out to me is uh, especially of course, your, your, the military background, but the, um, in telling your stories, but the uh, uh, Blood and Steel 3rd uh, Armored Cavalry Regiment. And it really uh, harkens to me back into the days of when we had uh, war take place within the uh, North American continent, you're defending the homeland, and also the Manifest Destiny co- concept along with it. And I think there was a lot of uh, uh, passion that went into war to kind of defend and to do best for your homeland. And uh, I think that in a sense we're we've lost it in the modern uh, age warfare in the sense that we've gone mostly out into you know Vietnam, Korea's the Middle East, and it's uh, really a struggle as you were saying about how you have veterans that come back and it's just a, a terrible PTSD shell shock phenomenon and the terrible terrible suicide rate. I hear that it's around every 65 minutes a, a veteran or commit suicide um absolutely terrible so 
uh, I want to hear hear your opinion about how um, how the struggle compares to back uh, then of how people uh, these military men had uh, their attitudes towards war and coming back home uh, from that warfare now compared to back then. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's an extremely fair question and one that we we definitely have to consider. Um, you think about how much it's all changed, and each conflict was different because you've got. I mean, you think about World War II and snail mail, and you know if someone's downrange or someone's over there fighting. And then I, I actually just got back from Normandy. I was there for the 75th anniversary of D-Day, and and so I, <laughs> words cannot describe what that experience was like, but. You know, you just you think about how how different. I'm not going to say more difficult or, or easier it was it was back then, but you think about you know how different it was because you've got snail mail, so you've still got your family back home, but you might not know what's going home on, going on back at home for you know weeks, sometimes months, depending on where you are. Um, and and then you think about you know Vietnam and how the darkest day in our country's history and the way we treated our Vietnam veterans and when they came home and I know so many of them are struggling and I believe they're actually leading the way when it comes to the suicide epidemic because it wasn't you know it what you weren't able to come home and talk about it back then not only that but you're having to defend your your reasoning for you know going over there in the first place which so many of them were drafted so it's it's just, it's, it's so different. And today I just, I think that's one of the most important things we can do is talk about it, that it's okay to not be okay. And, and we have to be able to talk about it. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm sick and tired of getting the phone calls and I'm sick of losing, you know, our men and women in uniform who are struggling because um, we, we've got to give them an outlet. We've got to tell them it's okay to talk about it. And um we as a society need to do a better job to make sure that we're doing our part, that our arms are open, that, Hey, you know, we're here. And yes, you did serve. And yes, you might suffer from PTSD, but explain that to me. Tell me what that's, you know, tell me what that's about. So I know that we don't just, you know, throw the stigma on it. And like I said, a lot of times it's the media that, that kind of puts these ideas out. And I can say that as someone who's in the media, Um, but I've, I've just, I've seen a lot of it. And so I just, I think, you know, there are a lot of similarities, um, between the different conflicts, between the generations and the different decades. Um, but I, I think there are some differences, too, because you think the snail mail in World War II versus today where you might have a soldier that's deployed and, and they get a FaceTime call from back home and there's something going on back home. Well, is their mind back home or is it on, you know, the, the fight that they're currently in? And so who knows what's better or worse? I heard y'all, as I called in, talking about technology and all that. And don't even get me started on social media. <laughs> But, um, it's, you know, the greatest blessing and the greatest curse. But it's just uh, I think I think there are a lot of similarities, but but it's also really hard to compare because it's different. It's different days. It's different times. The most important yep. message I want to get out there is that it's OK to it's OK to talk. It's OK. Like, yeah. pick up the phone. There's so many resources out there. That's sorry, right. resources rather out there. And, uh, and so, you know, I know, again, to go back to 22 kill, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm so big on this organization, you know, they've got close to, I think, I think they've got 15 counselors on staff. So at any given time, you know, you have a problem, make the phone call, talk to someone because we can't unsee what people have seen. Again, this, this isn't just veterans. This is, this is everyone, whether you're a rape victim, whether you were, you know, assaulted, whether you, 
you know, had a parent die or, or a child die. I mean, we've all been through tragedy. We've all experienced it. But um, I just think the most important thing is to, to ask for help and to just to know that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Uh, we do have a few minutes left, and then we'll, uh, but I'm going to go to Gianni. Gianni, I'll let you have the last word, and then we got to go to a commercial. And sorry, guys, there's a bunch of people on the line that want to ask questions but I can't get to everybody. It's unfortunate, but I just can't. Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, first of all, I'd just like to say I knew I remember your voice from somewhere. I texted Rory, and I was like, is that Ashley Kamara? And he was like, yeah. I remember you interviewed a, a comedian once I flew her or something like that, right? <laughs> flew the Borg. Yeah, yeah, I was – yeah, I see. I remember seeing that video some years back, like 2012 or something. That was the year. But yeah, yeah, that was a crazy guy. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I really admire you and what you're doing for you know military and veteran uh, men. You know, because my family comes from I come from a marine background. My great-grandfather was a Marine. My grandfather was a Marine. My dad was a Marine, and he was in the Navy. And my brother was in the Army. And my brother is actually, he has a bullet lodged in his throat right now because he almost blew oh his goodness. brains out. Yeah, and uh. all my family has PTSD. My grandfather came home from the war, the Korean War, and he used to beat up my grandmother. You know, and my dad sometimes, you know, he has these spouts out of nowhere. Rory knows that. I talked yep. to him about that. And, you know, it, it, it leads me to this. Do you believe in... Um, the military industrial combat because I do because it's like why do we keep sending these our our troops overseas for what like what like why are we sending them there we know that's destroying them destroying their mentality you know and then we they get here they get back here and they're not taken care of like do you believe like there are wicked people like I call them neocons wicked people that are in the government that are in the defense departments that are trying to destroy the lives of these vets so first of all, thank you for your family service and, and my uh, my utmost respect and compassion with you and your family because I, I know what what you're going through and and uh, goodness what a blessing that your brother's still here. Um, to answer your question, yes, <laughs> I mean to answer your question, yes, but. Frankly, as, as naive as it may sound, I, I choose to just focus on the fact that we as a country are asking them to go do this. And so all I can do is just keep my head down, keep my feet moving, and do every single thing that I can within my power to support them when they come home. I definitely think there's a lot of change that needs to happen. I think that our yeah. VA needs to stop giving our men and women pills when they get home. Because that's part of the reason that we have this suicide right. epidemic. And I believe the latest numbers are just over 20 a day. And so, yes, we have got to figure out a better solution. Because putting, putting men and women who come back with issues, quote-unquote issues, like I said, we've all got them. But putting them on a cocktail of pills is not the answer. Alcoholism is not the answer. And so, right. yes, there needs to be systemic change across the board most certainly and and you know is it the almighty dollar that's driving it yeah probably but like i said i could i i, I could lose sleep for days right worrying about that i don't, I don't have time to lose sleep because there's too much work to be done wow that's absolutely 
Absolutely. Um, and, and please, please tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. And we definitely want to have you back soon. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Thank you, Rory. Thanks. Thanks to all of you for, for your great questions again, for all of your, your service and your family service. Um, my Instagram and, and Twitter handle is at Ashley Kamrath, K-A-M-R-A-T-H. And, uh, yeah, so definitely reach out, and, and I'd love to hear from you. I'm on LinkedIn, too, Rory. That's how you and I connected. But um, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate the conversation and all the support. And, um, you know, if, if you'd like to give, if you'd like to, to help out, you know, time, energy, effort, resources, you know, definitely reach out, and I'd be happy to give you an, an outlet um, to do so. Sounds great, Ashley, and thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll have you back again soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Y'all have a great night. You too. Take care. Um, We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaySecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. 
Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast-to-coast, worldwide, listened to in 24 different countries, on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit my media site, thenextgenusa.com. In about a month, we will be launching the brand-new 24-7 media network called Live Media Guide that we will be having 24-7 news broadcasts. Uh, we already have like 80 to 85% of the talk show uh, time slots filled up. We only have about 15 to 20% left to fill. Um, and as I said, when, when we're, we'll have people all over the U.S., many notable names doing their own shows on the network, as well as people overseas. So when it's the middle of the night here, you'll be having the overseas hosts uh, doing their shows. And uh, we will be having America's Toughest Sheriff, uh, my close friend, Joe Arpaio, and my close friend, uh, Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, as the uh, main uh, poster people for the new network. And as everybody knows, they have millions and millions of followers. So it's going to be a very, very big thing. And we're raising, you know, me and, me and my other uh, partners, business partners, uh, we're raising a bunch of money uh, so we can make this uh, live to the highest extent. Um, I do want to welcome to the show um, one of a, a very, very talented guy, a successful entrepreneur, popular talk show host, actor, and public speaker, uh, Joshua T. Bergland. And Josh, how are you? Sorry we're a little late. My, my biggest apologies. No, I was actually enjoying the conversation and uh, very grateful for the opportunity, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, Josh, so uh, I'm glad to have you here. It's really awesome. And, uh, you know, obviously you've lived quite the life um, – you know, and like I do with all my guests when they first come on, I, I like to get your, you know, the resume, how it all started for you, the bio, how you ended up where you are today, you know, just the, the great chapters and the, the different levels that you've, you've been through in life, you know? Oh, God. Um, I didn't know we were going there. I thought we were talking politics. <laughs> so, we can do that. We're going to do that, too. I, uh, we'll do that, too. <laughs> okay. All right. I can, get, I can go there. I, um, I'll give the shortest version pop, uh, possible, but... You know, I, every, my, all of my success comes from living in truth, and I have a very ugly truth. I was somebody that was abandoned as a child. Um, or my, my two sisters disappeared when I was a kid, and I didn't know why. I thought it was something that, thought it was something that I had done. And after that, I was molested by two men, molested by, <laughs> molested by a woman, physically abused by my father, uh, was really had a voice. Obviously, I love using my voice now. But back then, I didn't have a voice because we had to carry. We had a. We had a. My 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 mom was Mrs. America. My father uh, again was a rock star entrepreneur. He was a rock star back in the day. That couple top ten hits in the '60s toured with Ike and Tina, Jerry Lee Lewis. We had this image to uphold. You know, growing up, going to the country club, going to church, raised in Oklahoma City, and so it was. Everything had to look like it was perfect. 
and because we right. looked like the perfect all-American family. But inside, I was full of rage and anger and very, very confused and didn't know what the heck was going on. I was having hor- horrific night terrors. And, uh, and instead of, you know, having that voice and getting help, I acted out. Thank God for sports. Football, I don't know how much talent I had, but I was so full of rage that I got myself a college football scholarship. My rage and anger worked everywhere but the golf course. Um, and it wasn't really until college when I discovered drugs that the nightmares became fantasies. And I started, and I don't know if your audience is really ready for this, but I'm just going to be honest. Um, yeah, go I battled with no, my sexuality for years, not knowing if I was bisexual, gay. I was using drugs. I was living a double life. I was cheating on my wife, cheating on girlfriends. I was just a real piece of crap. Um, to be honest with you, I've been in jail six times. Um, the, uh, and I ended up getting HIV uh, years later, uh, or I'm sorry, years, uh, years into the drug use, and really just wrecked my life. I've been homeless, I was bankrupt twice, completely wrecked my life. And it wasn't until my sixth time in jail, I wasn't prepared to do this, so I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, forgive me. Um, it wasn't until my sixth time in jail I was put in isolation. I went, I went in and I told them that I had HIV, thinking it was going to give me special privileges. And... <laughs> And, well, it, it put, they put me in isolation instead. And I was in L.A. County at the time. Um, had been living in L.A. for about nine months, uh, coming from Oklahoma. And my second night there in isolation with all of the maddening screams around me, the cocaine and the tequila finally was wearing off. And I was like, give me something to read. Give me a magazine. Give me a book. They wouldn't give me anything. And for some reason, I go, you know what? They have to give me a Bible. And, and you know what? If anyone, if anyone in your audience ever goes to jail, guess what? They have to give you a Bible or the Quran. Yeah. But they gave me a Bible, and I'm reading it, and I'm going through Genesis. I'm going, what the heck? What is this? And I, I just I didn't, wasn't feeling it. Even though I'd grown up in church, I'm trying to read this King James Version of the Bible, and it is not making any sense to me. And all of a sudden, I remembered my friend, my friend I used to party with in high school, who's now a minister. His name is John. So I go, you know what? I'm going to read John started reading John, and it was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I go to Proverbs and Psalms and back to Proverbs. And I'm, as I'm reading Proverbs, I'm going, I'm doing that wrong, doing that wrong, doing that wrong. Oh, God, I'm really doing that wrong, doing that wrong. And then all of a sudden, I got really pissed off. And I started screaming at God, why won't you change me? Why won't you fix me like everybody else? And for the very first time in my life, I heard God talk to me, and he said, you have to forgive your father. How in the hell am I supposed to do that? Because it happened to him too. And for the very first time in my life, I had compassion for my father. And let me tell you this, I hated my father. I hated, I hated him for what he did to my mom, what he did to me, what he did to my brother. I hated it. I hated I hated him. I showed up late to his funeral because I was high on cocaine and, and, and tequila. Uh, I, I just hated the man. But for the very first time, I realized, oh, my God, I have become just like my father. And at that very moment, I was able to forgive my father, and then I was able to ask Jesus to transform my life. And um, I, had a, I had an experience of the Holy Spirit that I'll never forget. I swear to you, it was like I was knocked down on the ground and lifted up at the same time. And uh, I made a decision that my life was no longer my own. And up until then, I'd worked with complex disabilities for 18 years. I, I got into skincare after my father 
you know, developed melanoma. I started to get interested in the skin and how it worked and became a distributor for the global distributor for a skincare line that went public. And, uh, you know, I, I really, I knew what I had to do. I, I knew the visions that I was having as a child as the first time I was molested. I knew what I had to do, but I didn't really know the process. Well, anyway, I was facing five years in jail, and somehow five days later, I ended up getting out with no charges. I didn't see the judge. Um, I got out. I'm walking the streets of L.A. County going, oh, my God, well, this is a lot easier to serve you behind bars. Now I've got to go out in L.A. and do it? How's that going to work? And that started a journey, man. Um, it started with one step at a time. But literally all of that is what led, has led me to doing what I'm doing now. Amazing. I mean, un unbelievable. I mean, you you've been through everything, and I mean that's that's a movie. Have you have you written memoirs? Have you written by like a a book about all these events? Uh, well, I you know I've written. I write a lot. Um, you know, social media. I started doing how this all started. My childhood dream was to do talk radio. Like, by the way, you do a fantastic job as a host, man. I. I was listening to you and just the way that you carry the conversations. I, I mad respect for what you're doing, man. Um, my dream was to Thank be talking really radio, but I, 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 grew, I grew up in Oklahoma. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to broadcasting school. I'm in sales and I love fighting on behalf of other people. I love fighting for complex disabilities and fighting the insurance companies and the doctors and taking on Medicare. Like I love, I love the fight. I love fighting for people. I'm not a sales guy. I love to fight for people, yeah. but I always listen to talk radio. Like even as a, as a kid, I was watching, you know, Oprah <laughs> and Larry King and, and I love 60 yeah. minutes and I love those shows, but I never Stern. thought my wildest dreams that I would do it. But yeah. I started when I, when I started brand, learning to brand myself, I started doing Facebook lives and my original videos were, skincare reviews and cosmetic reviews, believe it or not. But I had a friend from Oklahoma come to visit me after I got a home, um, after being homeless, I got a home in Laguna Niguel, California. I had a friend from Oklahoma come visit on his way to Oregon, and he said, document your journey. I was like, people don't want to hear what I have to say. I'm not successful. I'm struggling to get by. He goes, dude, I promise you, tell people your story. You will not regret it. So I, I start doing it. I kind of shift away from talking about skincare because God knows, you know, when you learn about that industry, it's hard to get real passionate about talking about it. And uh, right. so I started kind of sharing my story a little bit. And all of a sudden I started getting opportunities to speak on stages because people were resonating with my story, which I thought was a little strange. And I got invited to go on Fox Business. There was a show called New to the Street. I got invited to go there to talk about what I did professionally. And I went there. And I was like, this is my chance. This is a great opportunity for my business. This is amazing. I go there, film. It goes so well. They want me to do my own show. Long story short, the, that show never takes place. I'm, I'm butthurt about it. I'm sad. I'm thinking, God, this was my chance. Like, here it am. I'm, I am. I'm struggling to get by. This is my shot to finally make it, to finally make it. Well, it didn't happen. Fast forward about eight months. I go here at T.D. Jakes at the Rock Church in San Diego. Uh, it was my very first time there. But he said two things that dramatically changed my life. He said, the blessing is in the breaking. That made me weak like a baby. I like, like thinking about how broken I felt. And I'm like, wait a second, this is a blessing? This gets to be a blessing? Oh, my gosh. But the other thing he said, he was saying, focus on the things that you do have and not what you don't. 
And what he was do- talking about was an, an analogy of an airplane trying to land with one wing. And I go, you know what? I don't have any money. I don't have a producer. I don't have a director. I don't have, I don't have, no one will even give me a shot at a radio station. I'm like, but I've got a phone with a camera on it and I have Wi-Fi. I'm going to prove the concept for this show is going to work. So I started this show called Morning Gratitude with the Mayor. My nickname is the Mayor or the World's Mayor. And I started the show and then I changed it to Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. And then fast forward a few a few months after the getting picked up by podcasts and stuff like that, I I changed the name to Gratitude Unfiltered. And that was after God came to me in a vision and he said, I want you to put a spotlight on your shadow world. And because I I still not told my audience at this point that I had HIV and like uh, then why I'd been in jail. And <clears throat> So I was kind of 98% of the truth is not the whole truth. And I I was hiding that. And God really put it on me to put a spotlight on that shadow world of mine, not to expose other people, but to expose me so that other people could show the work he was doing in me. So Gratitude Unfiltered became a show that was about finding gratitude through life's most traumatic moments. And I have been so blessed to have amazing guests on. Well, that show not only got picked, you know, is on all the podcast networks and all that stuff, but it's now on streaming television. And I miraculously, I, that, that all happened with no money. And, and it's all been by me sharing a very raw truth, like literally in the moment as I, you know, you know the demons that have haunted me and, and beating mental illness, beating borderline personality disorder, beating uh, disassociative identity disorder, like completely beating it through my relationship with Jesus and just, and just really, really learning how to train my mind the right way and getting sober and, you know, doing all of that work. I've been so, so blessed to build the platform on truth because I want to, I want to throw this out there. You see all the time, these celebrities, and I've always known that I was meant for, for, for some to, to do something great. Like I've always believed that because I, every time something bad would happen, I would get a vision of like what was possible. And it was always the same vision. And I, so I knew that it was in the cards for me if I started making the right choices that I would, I would do something special for the kingdom. But I was always in fear. Well, um, so I, start, I started uh, – oh, God, I lost my train of thought. Dadgummit. Um, the, the, so living in the truth. Okay, what, what's, what's worse? What's worse when you hear all the time that these celebrities that are getting blackmailed for $15 million because they've got someone with naked pictures of them or they've done something horrific and they're trying to hide it? Well, what, what's worse, having $150 million in the bank and then losing it because of, of, of the secret life that you were afraid to expose or building something with nothing when you have nothing, you have no money, but building it on truth and becoming a successful you know, successful entrepreneur, successful talk show host, successful actor, successful MC, whatever, to build it on truth. That way, no one yeah. can hang anything over your head. I've got, I took everyone's right. bullets away. But there's the supernatural power of truth. And that it, I, I, I don't know if it's a universal law or what, but I will tell you this. I've seen supernatural things happen not only in my life, but the other people that have been willing to step into truth. Because yeah. they all of a sudden start to live with no fear. And when you live with no fear, you get to operate on a level of faith that no one can take from you. Yeah, no, very, very well said. And, you know, I know my panel probably wants to ask you a bunch of questions, uh, but 
But I, I do want to ask you, um, what are some of the latest things you've been working on with, uh, you know, obviously you became very successful. You got your show that's doing well. And I know you're, I think, involved in the CBD business. I think I, I read on your Insta and I think you're involved with some other stuff as well. Uh, I, I'm very fortunate to, um, I've helped develop, I, I develop brands. I mean, my, my, my calling is to build a ministry and a media company. Um, right. And I want to, I, I will empower the ministry through the media company that I'm building, but I've been very, very blessed to learn all sides yeah, you and of I, production. You and, to, you, you and I will have to talk because uh, as you know, I'm putting together a huge media company that has a lot of big names attached to it. So you and I will definitely talk, but uh, yeah, continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, all good. I've been very learning product placement, learning how, you know, when you see on TV, like everything on a screen is monetizable and learning right. how to white label and formulate products for people and learning about distribution. Like I, I, I learned that game and that's what gate got me access into the doors of Hollywood. Like how I started working on I, my first acting role. I wasn't even in the movie. I just happened to shave my head and what they wanted me to come on set to bring the energy. Well, I'd shaved my long hair after a bad haircut, and they yeah. go, wait a second, you have tattoos? Hey, can you play this guy? And I'm like, sure. And then I played the part, and, and, and the whole time, I'm, like, visualizing what professional wrestlers do. That's how I, you know, was able to act this part. And so they liked it and asked me to come back and do another scene. Well, in that scene, I gave myself lines because it just made sense that I would talk during this scene. Well, they liked that. Right. Then they said, can you come back and play a different part? And I'm like, sure. This time they gave me lines. Well, that film ended up playing at Sundance, and there was a movie premiere in Los Angeles for that um, called The Romancery um, on Thursday night. I'm really excited. They played it at Sundance, uh, which is a huge honor. I'm really, really excited for Henry Morales making his life story, uh, you know, putting it on the screen. It's such a cool thing to see. But I wasn't even involved in acting at that point. Um, one of the projects I'm really proud of is I have an eyelash applicator, believe it or not, that I helped design uh, with the inventor that's going out on Alibaba, QVC, uh, FitFab and Fun. That's going to be launched wow. in August. Uh, it'll be on Good Morning America. Like, we're so blessed. The, the people that are you, behind man. it, it's, it's, God has been worked miraculously. And, you know, I was in, I, I, you know, I had a couple like commercials that were a lot of fun. The NFL Super Bowl commercial, I was Brian Erlacher's body double for that, which he has hair, I don't, which that was kind of funny. Um, I did a commercial last week with Kobe Bryant for a Russian airline. You know, all of this stuff is just available because I say yes. And I live in L.A., and it makes everything – it's all possible if you want to do it. And it's necessary right. to do these things, to act, to do voiceover, to learn production, raising money for film. Learning all of that stuff is essential, especially – I mean, God does – there's no accidents. I'm learning all of this stuff because of the vision he placed on me as a child. Because those visions that he gives you are to show you what's possible, not to mock you or tease you. Very, very well said. Uh, I do want to go to the panel. Uh, we do have a few minutes left. Uh, but Dr. Branch, uh, obviously I know you have a question or two for him, but I'm going to have everybody try and keep it short and sweet. We probably have about 12 minutes left, but I want to make sure everybody gets a chance. So Dr. Branch, go ahead. First of all, God bless you. Um, you know, George Strait has a, a great song out there. It's I Found Jesus on a Jailhouse Floor. It was the number one, one of his 50 or 60 number one hits. And, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're, 
God is always with us, and he has always been with you all your life. But I feel that when we're all born again, that is when he's actually talked to us. And to me, I can remember the exact moment that happened in my life. Uh, I was around a little over 19 years old. I just blew out my knee playing college football. I was like, you know, Lord, you know, this, now understand my mother got sick my senior year of high school and right after high school, about two weeks later, she died. And uh, so I've been on my own ever since. And I remember blowing out my knee and sitting there thinking, God, you know, wh- where where are you? What do you want from me? Mm. And I mean, within a day, it was answered. And my life, I, you know, I've worn four college degrees. I've been married to the same woman now going on wow. 39 years. And, you know, I'm on Rory Sauter's show speaking with, 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 with you. And, uh, uh, you know, God is great. And, you know, you're a blessed Amen. man. And please always, always put the Lord first and let everybody know that. And he'll take care of the rest. So I just wanted to thank you. And I'll let the rest of the panel talk to you. Hey, God bless you, and thank you for sharing that. Well said, Dr. Branch, like always. Uh, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate your testimony, and and you, yeah. Real real quick, Dr. Branch, um, please please stay on the line, but in case we don't get back to you, please tell everybody where they can find you, and after everybody comments, I'm just going to get the plug. People can just put their plugs. Go ahead. Sure. Thank you, Rory. I am Dr. Bob Branch. You can find me on my new website. That's drbobbranch.com. That's drbobbranch.com. I hope you uh, get in contact with me. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, your testimony. I, I was, uh, I did church plants with Calvary chapels and, um, and I, I, uh, have been doing talk shows for quite a while. So I, Anytime you can see that somebody pushes through and then the Lord, uh, the Lord exalts those that are humble. Um, I, I'm excited to see what God's doing in your life. So you're an encouragement uh, for me tonight. I'm humbled by that, Excellent. man. Thank you. Very, very well said. Uh, let's go to Kev. Kevin, go ahead. Well, yes, it's very commendable, everything that you, you talked about in your relationship to Jesus. I truly do believe that our country uh, really needs that kind of morality to set us straight. And uh, I very commend you for everything that you've uh, been doing to uh, voice that. So, um, yeah, in case we close out early, uh, my name is Kevin DeKuyper, and you can find me at uh, Nationalist United on Facebook or nationalistunited.com. A great show. Thank you. Um Hey, uh, Eric, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. I'm sorry I didn't uh, uh, allow you to do that the the last time. Go ahead. Sure, I'm on. Yeah, I have a daily talk show on mojo50.com or on iHeartRadio. It's The Informant. I'm on uh, Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. Pacific or 2 a.m. Eastern, but you can obviously uh, go to uh, Spreaker and hear all the uh, podcasts. Uh, if you want to get on a social media platform that's not going to silence you, head over to MAGA, M-A-G-A book.com and connect with me there. And um, let's get ready for 2020. So appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Gianni. Gianni, go ahead. I know you probably have a question and I'll let you obviously give your plugs. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, it's phenomenal. I really like your story. I'm not super religious, but I really love your story and uh, your redemption. But uh you know, I, I'm also an actor too, and 
Um, you know, I I do have a lot of questions for you that we can't say right now, so I would definitely like to connect with you. <laughs> um, but how do you uh, how do you with your faith? Okay, with your faith that you have, how do you coincide with that with acting and things of that nature? Oh man, I love this question. I love it. I love it. You know why? Because when I quit saying, oh, my, talking about my shadow self and my dark passenger and all that stuff, and I just started going, I am who God says I am, and I am light, and that's all I am. There is no darkness that exists in me. I am light. And so when I, I was so, I was so, God, I get so excited about this. I was able to give my testimony in the middle of the Russian airline set, uh, not the day that Kobe Bryant was there, the second day that was um, when it was filmed in Orange County. I was able to give my testimony because somebody asked me about my show and what it was about. And I told them about, you know, this is about the supernatural powers of Jesus and how he transforms all the pain, all the things that hurt us, all the things that traumatize us. God gets to use it all, not only for his glory, but ultimately it allows us to bless other people. And that brings us joy. That allows us to step into our true abundance, the God-given abundance that we were destined for. And there's something about that that no one can argue with because I'm not religious. I, the, the whole church, like I speak out against the church about, oh, I would say more than, <laughs> I speak out against the church quite a bit because we, we are not creating a safe place for love for people that have been prostitutes and killers and drug dealers and addicts and, and people that have sold their bodies for sex and drugs. Like we're not creating a safe place and we're not, we're not leading with love. If we're trying to, like, the people that are lashing out against the LGBT community, and I promise I'm going to tie this back to your question, but we spend so much time in judgment and criticizing people. We're not, we're not leading with love, and we're not leading with love. We're never going to bring people to us. They're going to sh- close off. They're going to shut down, and throwing the Bible at people is not winning people to Jesus. So to answer your question, knowing that I am light, I get to stand in that when people see in my eyes that there's a light glowing in my eyes when I, when I just talk about life and just when you're the guy that's happy to be there and excited, because remember I'm from Oklahoma. I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be doing 99.9% of the things that I'm doing. So I live in gratitude for it all. And so when people ask me questions, I can talk about having HIV now being undetectable. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for the people who fought for the right for people for, for funding for those kind of medications. I can talk about being in jail without reservation. I don't care if I'm next to the president. I don't care if I'm next to a pope, the devil worshiper, or whoever, or if I'm next to Tom Cruise. I'm going to talk about Jesus and what he did for me. Because the truth is that Jesus, people want to religious, religious, religious-fy. <laughs> I'm making up a word here. People want to talk about Jesus like as this rule like, there, 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 like he, there's restriction. No, it's nothing but freedom. Being guided by the Spirit is the most amazing supernatural thing in the world. And when you talk about the supernatural powers of Jesus, the spiritualists, the Christ consciousness people, the religious, the, the spiritual but not religious people, the people that are atheists, honestly, they have a really hard time arguing with it. One of the things I'm so proud of with Gratitude Unfiltered is this. I have Muslims, atheists, Buddhists, gay, transgender, bisexual. Yeah. I have former prostitutes. I have existing prostitutes. They all watch the show because they are get, and they're get, they're hearing the word of God. They're hearing the love of Jesus. 
And so that's how I do it because I stand in that supernatural power. I love it. I really love it. It's it's awesome. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah, I I just thought it was – that's amazing. And, I mean, it's so true, man. You know, and that actually – you know, me not being a super religious person, it really definitely touches my heart. I would love to be in contact. Yeah, we'll definitely oh. I'll definitely put you guys in contact, Gianni. Uh, Gianni, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Gianni uh, Rodriguez with the Z dash Paris two R's. All righty, sounds good. Um, Josh, I really I really want to thank you uh, for being on tonight. Your story is phenomenal, very profound, very inspiring. Uh, extremely creative and unique. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I definitely want to have you back soon. Uh, please, though, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can listen to your show, you know, visit your businesses, all that good stuff. Um, my website is thejoshuatberglin.com because somebody else owns joshuatberglin.com. Um, but it's J-O-S-H-U-A-T-B-E-R-G-L-A-N. And I'm at Joshua T. Berglund on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I, I love Facebook. To me, where Facebook, the platform is heading, it is a, it's a necessary, I think it's a necessary evil to work more on Facebook than it is Instagram, especially when you're preaching the word of God, um, because it, it, the way that you can connect there is just really, really powerful. So I really spend more time on Facebook than I do anywhere else, and uh, I would love to connect with you all. And if you listen... Uh, to the show tonight, just say hi, and, you know, I'd love your feedback. If you think I'm crazy, fine. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I'll love you anyway. I think, um, but yeah, I think you're, br- I think, yeah, I think you're brilliant. I think, I think you, you know, are quite, quite the, uh, you know, amazing individual. I mean, your, your story is unbelievable and we can't wait to have you back. Uh, that's man. That's a, That means a lot to me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. All righty. Thank you, sir. And we'll definitely, uh, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Cheers. All right. God bless guys. Thanks. All righty. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, It's been a fantastic show. I want to thank all my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. Uh, The show is, gets better and better every episode. Everything you want in the show. So smooth. Terrific dialogue and so many things established. And just the, the, the flow is so perfect. Like I said earlier in the show, it makes sense. There's such a huge niche for, for, for a show like this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, glad and to be, I'm glad to be on this ride with all of you and, and share my insight and shine the light. It's fun, fun times. We have a lot to look forward to. Big show on Thursday night. Everybody, don't forget to tune into the Clown Show Democratic Debates tomorrow because we will be talking about it on Thursday, everyone. Have a great, great night. I will miss you for the next day, but I, like I said, I'll see you Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers. <laughs>